Amen. Good morning. Uh, let's go. Let's do that again. Good morning. I understand it's early, and we need to be walking up a little bit, right? One more time. Good morning. Good morning. All right. I am honored to be here again this time to present God Speaks to Us, reality number four in the series that you've been in, experiencing God, knowing, and doing the will of God. And I say I'm honored because I truly am, because... I believe that this is a very serious series. We really need to know whether God speaks to us today or not. Before we sit down, let's read these two passages of Scripture and bear them in mind throughout this message. Mark chapter 9, 21 through 26. This is the story of Jesus delivering the child with the mute spirit. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. I would like you to say this with me. But if you can do anything. Uh, that doesn't sound like somebody who's desperate. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears. He cried out, right? And said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Can we cry out this morning and say the same thing? Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. The second scripture that I would like us to read this morning is from Mark chapter 7, verses 8 through 9, and then we'll also read verse 13. This is Jesus challenging the Pharisees and scribes. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other such things you do, he said to them. All too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. And he says in verse 13, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. Amen. May the Lord open our hearts to receive his, vo his word this morning. You may be seated. So my wife and I have often wrestled uh, with the challenge of sharing some dramatic things God 
has done in our lives, including those times when he has spoken to us very clearly. See, some of these things can sound like fiction, or they can also sound like bragging, or they can be a prideful attempt to stop people from questioning our motives, our actions, our judgment. I mean, if God has spoken to us, who can question us, right? If he has said something and we claim that he has, who can dare say, what are we talking about? But if we don't share, is it always uh, out of humility? See, it could also be fear. And the fear is, what if no one believes? <laughs> we'll look like fools. You see, unbelief is plentiful in the church, where the statement is often had, that doesn't happen anymore. Now, I have uh, two questions that I want to ask you this morning. Has anything changed since these two statements were made? Statement number one, Lord, I believe, help down thine my unbelief. Has anything changed? You don't have to answer that. Has anything cha changed since Jesus pointed to the Pharisees and scribes and said, you have made the word of God of no effect through your tradition. Have things changed? I want to suggest to you this morning that, nah, not really. We have replaced Pharisaic Judaism with something else. And what we have replaced it with is a rejective denominationalism. What has happened today is that we have this denominational spectrum which provides people options for belonging, you know. Baptist, uh, Lutheran, uh, Pentecostal, Catholic, and people are very proud of those badges that they wear, the denominational badges that they wear. Even if that option of belonging doesn't necessarily encourage them really experiencing God, knowing his will, or actually real needs being met. And sometimes what you encounter in these places of belonging is a hostility to simple faith. That kind of faith that is not well versed in the apologetic of the denominational category because each category has its own apologetic. Its own way of explaining who God is and what he does. And if you have a simple faith that kind of doesn't align with that, there's often hostility. What you'll find is that today's churches are led mainly by seminarians, uh, and not necessarily by the Peters and the Jameses and the Joneses and the Pauls and the Priscillas and the Aquilas, people who had an encounter with God. You, you are likely going to be disqualified from being a pastor if you didn't attend 
a seminary particularly which aligns with your denomination. Is that true or not? Some people don't know. But it is true. The early church was a little bit different. Because the early church was not focused on issuing disclaimers to discourage people from crossing denominational lines. That was not the preoccupation of the church in the book of Acts. The church that we aspire a lot of times to be. That wasn't his focus. What their focus was, was, hey, people really need to have an encounter with God. Amen. Amen. Okay, I'll keep saying amen until I think I got some agreement. The focus of the early church that we aspire to be was making sure that people had an encounter with God. Amen. Amen. That was the focus of the early church. All other things were not important. People need to have an encounter with God. And if that's who we aspire to be, that also has to be our focus. Right? Why is that? The reason is because the presence of people desperate to hear God's voice and to encounter his power is a persistent reality. You go to any denomination today, you're going to find in there somebody who is crying for God to touch them, to do something about their situation. And these people may be unsure of, you know, what God does because of doctrinal confusion. So they will say exactly the same statement that this man said in Mark 9. If you can do anything. Because they don't know. Because there's just so many opinions about what God can do or what he can do. But because they are certain of their pain and their need, they don't stop there. They, they're like that man again in Mark 9 who says, have compassion on us and help us. Perhaps that's you today. Your theology is unsettled. But you know you need God's help. You know it. Here's the good news. The good news is the God who responded with mercy in biblical times is still the same merciful God. Amen. He is still the same God. If you come to him with a simple childlike faith that David talked about in Psalm 131, this is 1 through 3. Let's, let's read that. Because I believe this is the kind of simplicity of faith that provokes God to move in your life. Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters 
too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, everyone say instead. Yes. Let's say that with some force. Instead. Yes. Let's say it again. Instead. In other words, instead of, cons- of focusing on these things which are too profound for me, things, theories, and all those uh, things, I have calmed and quieted myself like a wind child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a wind child is my soul within me, O Israel. Put your hope in the Lord. Not in your denomination. In the Lord. Amen. Put your hope in the Lord now and always. Put your hope in the Lord. So can we settle this issue? Does God speak? Well, let's keep it simple in the spirit of David's admonition. Let's keep it simple. Our responsibility, you know, we love to complicate things. Human beings just love complicating things. Our responsibility is not to settle arguments. That's not the job. Our job is to simply share the truth and let the truth do its work. Amen. Oh, there was a little bit of a chill when I said that. Our responsibility is to simply share the truth. The truth may be hard to take, but let me tell you, it will do its work better than the best of preachers. Does God speak? Because that question will remain. You know, it's persistent. Does he really speak? Yeah, you've said all that, but does he speak? He spoke in Genesis 1-3. Then God said, let there be light. And he spoke throughout scripture to, to us, through us, through other people. He spoke. Yeah, but does he speak to us today? Well, Malachi 3-6 says he doesn't change. So if he doesn't change according to Malachi 3-6, if he spoke, then he speaks. Simple. He speaks to us, to the voids in us, to our sicknesses. He speaks through people, through dreams, through visions, to our needs. He speaks. Look at what Elihu, one of Job's friends, said to him in Job 33, 12 through 18. But I tell you, and these words might have been spoken to us, might just as well have been spoken to us. But I tell you in this you are not right, for God is greater than any mortal. Why do you complain to him that he responds to no one's words? For God does speak. Now one way, now another, through no one, though no one perceives it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on people as they slumber in their beds, he may speak in their ears and terrify them with warnings to turn them from wrongdoing and keep them from pride, to preserve them from the pit, their lives from perishing by the sword. But there's a nullifier. There's somebody who wants to nullify all these things. And what is his strategy? He wants to silence God's voice in the church. 
And the reason why he wants to silence God's voice in the church is because a speaking God is an involved God who will guide, heal, rescue. He's not a distant God. He's a God who can be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. So he needs to be silenced. What does the nullifier want to do? He wants to undermine our understanding of God's nature and ways. So we can count on him. Man, if he's always changing, if what he does is always different, how can we count on him? Ultimately, he wants to weaken the gospel, the power of God unto salvation, and the testimony of God encounters that inspire courage and faith. So to share or not to share, back to my things that my wife and I wrestle with sometimes. But, but is, that the, is that supposed to be the question? Why is that the question? Uh, if you look at Matthew 5, it says, you know, you are the light of the world. You know, you're not supposed to be. If something happens to you and it's a God encounter, share it, right? Now, since we're not talking about things that are forbidden to share because we know in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that Paul was taken to the third heaven and he was shown things that God said, these things must not be shared. So if God says don't share, well, don't share. As long as he has said it, right? It's him. He says no. You don't do it. And he, do, he does that through speaking to you. <laughs> That's the interesting thing. The best way to deal with unbelief is to actually do what God has told you to do and let the deed do its work. For me, the wrong question is, what if they don't believe? That's the wrong question. The right question is, what if one person in the room, one person, everyone say one person. Everyone say one person. Everyone say, what if it's me? What if one person in the room experiences God today like the Samaritan woman who cried out in John 4, 29, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And she did that. She went into a city and she, she, she shouted and caused a multitude to come to Jesus. Think about this, the power of one. Millions have entered the kingdom because one man heard and believed the voice of God on the road to Damascus. That was Paul. Millions have been strengthened because a desperate woman touched the hem of Jesus' garment. There are many nations today because a man with a barren wife believed that he could be the father of many nations. The virgin believed because God said so and carried God's promise of redemption to all mankind. And the promise himself, God's only son, <coughs> who gave his life at Calvary, that all should be saved. It's not how many will believe, but who will steward <coughs> their encounter with God well. God does speak to us. What will we do with that? So, I'm done preaching to myself to encourage me to share these four stories of God speaking to us. The year was 1987. I had just completed my master's degree when God told me to turn my back on another full ride to an Ivy League university and fly back home to Zimbabwe. 
Why? Because a girl there, I did not know, was praying for a husband. Less than two months after arriving home, I walked into my cousin's apartment, and there she was. God told me, on this spot, that's her. Now, after 36 years of marriage, that's her. Can you stand up, honey? I would not have done better had going to, uh, going to Harvard been more important than hearing and obeying God's voice. So, God does speak about those things. Right? Okay. Here's another one. 1995. We were about to launch our ministry in Charlotte when in a dream I heard a voice. Avoid entanglements. Don't have anything to do with these three men. I saw three names written on a wall. When I woke up the next morning, unfortunately, I could only remember one. I shared that name with my, two, my wife and two of the people who work with us. Shortly thereafter, a friend called and said they'd met someone who could help us get a car. We were desperately in need for a car, of a car. We went to meet this person, and when he handed me his business card, there was the third name I had seen in my dream. Even though we desperately needed a car, I declined his help, and by listening to God's voice, saved our ministry from being associated with some bad things that were exposed about the man before his demise shortly thereafter. God does speak. Amen. Amen. Third one. And then there's one more. 1996. My wife and I were getting ready to leave home to go to a meeting when the phone rang. A woman was on the line, begging us to go to her home to pray for her because voices were telling her to kill her newborn. A few days earlier, the same voices had told her to drive the car off a bridge with a child in it. She had driven to the bridge, but something stopped her. Now the voices were telling her to cut the baby into pieces. We prayed for her deliverance on that day, and on another, when my wife and her team followed up, she was finally set free. There is a 28-year-old living soul today who would have been cut up to pieces or drowned had her mother not heard, I want you to listen to this, not heard the voice of God to call for help even when the enemy was playing with her mind. She heard voice, God's voice. Last one. 1997, the first half of 1997 was very stressful for some of our friends who had significant resources tied up in the stock market. We were scheduled to pray with one of them on the 25th of October at her request, when on the night of the 24th, the Lord gave me a very difficult message for her. When you see her, tell her to pull her money out of the stock market immediately. I passed on the message on the 25th with tremendous fear. She told her broker to pull out, which he reluctantly did on the 26th. On the 27th and 28th, the stock market crashed, and she was spared. She has continued to give generously to causes serving thousands of underprivileged families in the U.S. and abroad. Let's stand.
I share those stories to challenge you this morning. Forget your brain. Open your heart to God. Can I pray with us? Let's bow our heads as we get ready for the service to move on to the next thing. God, you know the needs represented in this room. Your people are crying out for your mercy. Nothing could at this time be more comforting than the response from you that your people feel. Every need that you miraculously met in your word, you didn't just do the miracle. You spoke to those that were hurting before you healed. You cared about what was going on inside as much as you did about the sickness and the blindness. You speak to us, Lord, because you want us to be truly whole. Make us whole today that our testimony can be complete as we join in your work. In your name we pray. And amen and amen.